All right, we are in a series called World vs. the Word. Uh, before we get into it, um, if you smell something this morning, um, whether it's, you know, spray, some of you are like, no, I don't smell anything. Um, it's a little spray or a little hint of sewage. Um, we have uh, <laughs> the person sitting next to you, you know, doesn't have gas issues, okay? It's, we have a, a backup issue. A couple of our ushers checked it out, and we're, we're going to work on it uh, this, this week, okay? So, you know what? Anything that the devil can do to distract us from God's Word, he will do it. He will work in anything and in anybody, okay? And so, uh, I promise you, if you stay focused this morning, man, God's got revelation for us this morning. God's got purpose for us this morning. And uh, as we trend through this, this series, this very long series called The World vs. the Word, uh, we are comparing uh, what the world says about things and what God says about things. And we all look through a lens. We all look through a certain lens as we process the world and what is happening around us. And so where we're at today in this series is we're going through 10 reasons why we can trust the Bible, okay? Before we can read the Bible and get into the Bible, it's important that we're trusting what we're reading, right? That when you open the Word of God, you know that you know that this book was written for us by God himself to, to help us in every area of our life. And so last week, uh, we looked at the Bible has been historically validated, and it's known, the Bible is known as the most historically accurate book that was ever written, okay? They actually use the Bible to find things all the time. And so uh, that was last day. If you missed that, I want to encourage you to jump online and watch that, okay? So part seven today, part seven, the Bible, sixth reason we can trust the Bible is because it's been scientifically proven. Um, I don't know if you've, maybe you, you grew up or you heard that science is in opposition of scripture, right? Science is opposition of the Bible. That's not true at all, okay? Uh, as Christians, we can embrace science. As Christians, we can um, embrace, because scripture has been scientifically proven, and the more they research and the more they discover, they discover that the Bible can be scientifically proven. Amen? All right. Just want to warn you, I got 14 points this morning, okay? 14, okay? So there's going to be some that we're going to sit in, okay? There's going to be some that we sit in, and then there's going to be some that we're just going to, I'm going to make that statement, we're 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and we're going to go to the next one. It's just something I want you to see, I want you to kind of process through, and then we're going to move to the next point, okay? All right, come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for this house, God, that this is your house. I thank you for your people, God, that are here this morning, that you brought them here to hear your eternal word. God, I thank you for the people that are watching online right now, Father. God, I just pray right now that this moment would be a moment that we would draw closer to you. We bind and rebuke the distractions of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. We bind and rebuke the attacks of the enemy uh, that this week, God, whatever they were, they physical or mental or spiritual, emotional, God, we bind and rebuke them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I just pray for the next 30 minutes, God, that all distraction would be placed away, that we would have a laser focus on the word that you have for us this morning. God, let us draw closer to you in this moment. God, get me out of the way. None of me and all of you, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen and amen. Let's crank through it. Number one, light. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let's skip over to 1 John 1, 5, and we'll unpack it from here. John says this, in this, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all, okay? So why did God say, let there be light in the beginning, and then John talk about how God is light? Okay, there's this quantum physics organization um, not Ant-Man, okay? Some of you are like, are we going to talk about Ant-Man this morning? No, I'm not going to talk about Ant-Man, okay? Um, quantum physics, they're called CERN, okay? Uh, Elon Musk has described CERN as demonic, okay? Elon Musk, okay, uh, has described CERN as demonic, but they do all of these, uh, like, crazy experiments, quantum experiments. And in 2012, what they did was they uh, actually split the atom, okay? They actually split the atom in half. And what they discovered was something called the God particle, okay? And what they discovered inside uh, an atom and the particle that they called the God particle is what they, did, what they described as light. And so in 2012, they said, we know how the universe was created, we know how, when the, Bing ba when the Big Bang happened, we know how everything happened. It happened in the presence of light. We could have saved billions of dollars. Maybe figure out how to, you know, feed the world instead of, okay, anyway, um, Here's the issue with uh, some of these agnostic or atheistic scientists is that um, they actually break their own rules, okay? Um, in, in the Big Bang Theory, they believe that matter uh, came from matter, okay, which is impossible and has never happened, okay? Nothing plus nothing equals nothing, okay? Nothing plus God equals everything, okay? And so... Matter cannot create matter of its own, and they're saying, well, except in this, this instance, something happened, right? Now, their newest theory, they've kind of gone away from, from that theory, and what they've discovered is they discovered is that um, something behind all of this must be intelligent, and we're going to get to that in a moment, okay? So, the other thing uh, about this, 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 this experiment that they discovered is they also split apart the atom and they discovered that light was at the center of uh, this atom. And so what they concluded to, what they concluded to is that light holds everything together. All right, point number two today. Point number two today. Science expresses the universe in five terms. Time, space, matter, power, and motion, Okay. Go ahead and put up Genesis uh, 1, 1 through 2. Let's look at Genesis 1, 1 through 2. And scripture basically aligns with science five things. In the beginning, what? Time, 
God created, what is that? Power. The heavens, space. The earth, matter. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering motion over the waters. Okay? So literally the, the five things that make up science is, is literally in the first two verses in Scripture. Number three, number three, the probability of the earth existing, okay? I could do probably a three-part mini-series on the probability of the earth existing because it is so astronomical, the probability of the earth and the universe, and I'm talking about the specific distance from the earth to the sun, if it was like you know, an inch closer, we'd all burn up, and, and the, the, the exact axis, uh, how the earth is tilted, and, and exactly the speed that it turns, and if any of this was, was just off slightly, we would all fall, you know, fall off the earth, and, and it's it just everything is in perfect unison, as though somebody designed it. And what, what they call our, um, what they call earth is we are in what's called the Goldilocks zone, right, um, where we're not too hot and not too cold, and we're the only planet that they know of where uh, has, we're, that we're in this Goldilocks zone where, where life can exist. And what is so uh, interesting about this is that uh, scientists and, and really mathematicians that try to figure out the probability of all of this happening at one time and then it continuing happen, uh, many of them get saved, okay? Because they're just, it, it's just so improbable that all of this happens in one moment and it continues to happen in perfect unison. And I don't know if you know, it, it's a fairly new um, philosophy or theory because they're kind of moving away from the Big Bang theory and what they're coming to the conclusion of that someone uh, who is higher intelligence than us designed everything. And the newest theory is that aliens came in spaceships and created all of this and then drove away. Um, Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. To believe some of these theories, you got to have faith of a mountain. I mean, the probability of the earth existing is so astronomical that someone must have designed it on purpose. Number four, number four, light is omniscient. Light is omniscient. Colossians 1, 16, 17. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. What scientists have discovered today by putting satellites, they put a satellite in 2001 up into space that monitored the whole Earth's temperature, and they discovered that it has a consistent temperature, right? Um, it doesn't get too hot, it doesn't get too, too cold, but it has a consistent temperature across the whole Earth. And the satellites also measured uh, the, the temperature in space, and they found the same thing, that space has a consistent 
temperature. And so what this proved to them is that light is omnipresent. Life is, or light is everywhere. It's in space. It's in earth. It's everywhere in the universe. It holds everything together. Well, what did John tell us in 1 John? He told us that God is light, and God started everything with light. And so what they come to the conclusion of is that light is everywhere, and it's holding everything together. Colossians 1, 16 through 17. Here's a little bonus for you, okay? I didn't fully study this um, because it's just far beyond my intelligence in, in quantum physics. Um, and, and what they've discovered is also that light holds knowledge. And so they're coming to the conclusion that light has all knowledge, and it holds knowledge in it. Come on, let me, let that just blow your mind. Not only is light omniscient, but it's all knowing. Kinds of sound like God. <laughs> number five, number five. Every human comes from two people. <laughs> Genesis 1 and 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The study was done. Go ahead and put up that study. I want to read it, and then we'll unpack it for a moment. The study was done by Mark Stokel and David Thaler of the University of Basel, Switzerland. Now, these guys are not Christians, okay? They're just straight-up scientists, okay? They examined the genetic barcodes of over 5 million animals from 100,000 different species. And one of these species was humans. Based on those barcodes, which are really just tiny bits of DNA from the mitochondria of living cells, the researchers concluded that their data are consistent with the hypothesis that all of humanity are the descendants of a single pair of adults who lived 100 to 200,000 years ago, writes the Herald. Okay, let's continue. There's one more, I think. Yep. The study showed that there is a... There is very little genetic diversity among humans when you look at our mitochondria DNA. Mitochondria DNA is a part of our genetic code that is passed to us from our mothers, and it doesn't mix with our nuclear DNA, make it possible to trace a direct material genetic line. So what they were able to do is they, will be able, they were able to trace our genetic code, our DNA, all the way back to the very first two people. And what I find is, is pretty funny is that they're like, well, this is what we believe, but we don't believe the biblical account of just Adam and Eve, okay? They, like they, that's what I think. You know, it could have been two other people. It could have been Steve and Wanda. We don't know, right? Like they're just like, you know, just because the Bible says this, Adam and Eve, it doesn't mean that we, we actually believe the biblical account, but they're just, they just prove the biblical account by their research that we came from two people, Adam and Eve, because of our DNA is so similar to each other that Genesis tells us that we came from Adam and Eve, two people. Number six, number six, earth free floats in space. Earth free floats in space. Job 26 Seven, and this was written, Job is actually the oldest book that was ever uh, written in Scripture. 
God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. In 1500 BC, science said that the earth sat on the back of a large animal. <laughs> I think it was like a turtle or something that, that we believed the earth spun on. And, and it wasn't uh, until, I, I, I believe, the 1700s that we actually uh, discovered that the earth is hanging in, uh, in space. Okay, Number seven, number seven. Invisible structures called atoms. Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The discovery of atoms. And honestly, we, we actually haven't really fully, uh, we didn't really fully discover what an atom was and can do. We knew that they existed but until the late 1800s, early 1900s. I think I, I wrote the guy's a name down here. Yeah, it was John Dalton in 1811. He pioneered the, mono, the modern atomic theory. J.J. Thompson in 1897, he discovered the electron, which led to a breakthrough in the discovery of, of other atomic structures. So we actually didn't discover this really until the late 1800s, early 1900s. Hebrews told us a couple thousand years ago um, that there were these things called atoms. Okay, number eight, number eight, we're moving along here. Oceanography. Oceanography, Matthew Murray. He's known as the father of oceanography. And, and how he became the father of oceanography is very interesting. He was a follower of Jesus. Okay, he was a Christian. And he read Psalms 8.8. He read Psalms 8, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. And so he read this passage and he said, okay, God is telling me that there are paths in the sea. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to discover this thing that God is telling me is in our oceans. And what he discovered were the warm and cold continental currents in our oceans. All right, next one, nine. Radio waves. Some of you are like, no way. Scripture does not talk about radio waves. Job 38, 35. Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. What is God telling Job in this passage? He is telling Job that sound can be converted into, or he's telling that light can be converted into sound. Go ahead and put up. This wasn't discovered until 1864 by James Maxwell that light can be sent and manifest itself in speech. This is what God is telling Job. I mean, there's a lot going on in the book of Job, okay? God's, you know, bragging about all the things that he's done, right, in, in the book of Job and how awesome he is and everything that he has done. And he's telling Job these things that he, it's going right over his head and um, that today we are just now discovering over the last 100, 200 years, the, the just how rich and deep the Word of God is and, and how many things are in it that we haven't even discovered yet. And this is why, and, and I mentioned this the last couple of weeks, and this is why Jesus tells us, if you will seek, if you will seek, if you will truly seek with all of your heart, mind, and soul, you will find God. 
you will find God every single time. All right, number 10, number 10. We're doing good. The earth is depreciating. Isaiah 51.6, lift up your eyes to heaven. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. Go ahead and put up the, the team of scientists. A team of scientists and researchers collected 31 measures of ecology to gauge the health of the planet. Out of 31, 18 results depicted that the earth is depreciating. The report is published in Bioscience in short. The air has alarming levels of methane and carbon dioxide. A rise in temperature is causing the sea levels to be at their highest level. Arctic snow glaciers are also at an all-time low. Scripture tells us that the earth is depreciating. It's wearing out. When Adam and Eve brought sin into this world, that's when the death clock started. And some of you are like, this is kind of morbid, Pastor, the death clock. Yes, because the, the earth, God originally created it for last forever, but when they brought sin into the world, that is when the death clock started on our earth. And Jesus tells us that eventually he's going to create a new earth and a new heaven that we will spend eternity in. And so we shouldn't be so alarmed by all of these things that are happening to our earth. Think, think about a garment, okay? Think about a garment, that, that earth is a garment that we're using every single day, okay? Think about a piece of clothing that you wear. Now, um, Renee, this might be something fun to do for Instagram, okay? I know some of you men out there have some underwear that are 20 years old. Come on, anybody? <laughs> if your wife didn't throw them out, you'd probably have some that were even long, you know, older, you know? I have um, two shirts that I've forbidden my wife to throw away. One is a red Yankee shirt. It was one of the first shirts that I bought uh, in 1999 at Ross. <laughs> and it's, a, it's hilarious because it's like in pictures from, from like 20 some years ago. Like the kids just said, Dad, you have that shirt today. It was like when, when Don and I were dating. Come on, somebody. Like I am so proud of that shirt. And I, and I always remind my wife, this shirt has been with me longer than you. But that's not even the prize of the collection, okay? The prize of the collection is a shirt that I won when I was a sophomore in high school at a three-on-three -three basketball tournament from the University of Buffalo. That shirt is over 30 years old. And it's, and it's, and it's white, and it's like super soft, and it's almost see-through to this point, okay? It's my favorite shirt. It's my favorite shirt. But it's wearing out. Just like Isaiah told us, the earth is wearing 
out. It, it, guys, we don't have to be scared about global warming or, or, or anything like that because God's in control and we just know this is the natural process of the earth depreciating because this isn't our final resting place. Now, should we take care of it? Yes, we should do our best to take care of the earth because he's, he's given us authority over it to steward it, okay? And he's called us to be good stewards. But Guys, there's really nothing that we can do that's going to stop the earth from depreciating because the death clock happened thousands of years ago when Adam and Eve brought sin into the earth, okay? And we don't have to, we don't have to get all freaked out. Some of you are like stressed. Carbon dioxide, is that what I'm breathing? Guys, just relax, okay? God's in control. He's in control. Stress out. Number 11, springs on the bottom of the ocean floor. Job 38, 16. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recessions of the deep? I've got a, a, a couple notes on, on here about this uh, that I found. Uh, they actually didn't discover this. Now, they used sonar and they could see some springs where, where have, you know, something was coming up from the ocean floor, but they actually didn't fully discover this until they took a submarine down uh, in the 1970s that there's these like super hot springs that come up uh, from the ocean floor that God told Job uh, some thousands of years ago. I mean, just isn't, I, I find it so fascinating and so interesting that God did this for us. That he put clues in scripture that if we would seek the ocean floor, we would find confirmation that the Bible is true. All right, number 12. Some of you are like, yes, dinosaurs. He's going to talk about dinosaurs today. I've been waiting for this my whole life at Passionate Life Church. Will pastor ever preach on dinosaurs? Here we go. Are dinosaurs in the Bible? In 1841, Sir Richard Owen, a biologist, coined the phrase dinosaur, which means terrible lizard, okay? And in Hebrew, this can be translated as sea monster, serpent, behemoth, levathan, or dragon. Now, before we get to Scripture for a moment, and I'm going to show you in Scripture, now, just, just think about this. Go with me for a moment. Think about this. Humans, okay, before the flood could live to 900, even 1,000 years, okay? And that was to help populate the earth and, and all that sort of stuff. Animals could do the same thing. So if you could imagine a lizard that's 900 years old that never stops growing, that's a big lizard, <laughs> a terrible lizard, right? And, and, and so... Animals were different before the flood, just like people. And, and I mean, here's another, you know, confirmation. After the flood, God says, what? I'm not letting people live past 120 years old, right? He's like, that's, that's it. And oxygen actually uh, changes in our atmosphere and all of that. And, and so we can't live past 120 years old because God's like, that's, that's enough, okay? That's enough for you to live, to live on this earth. Well, it changed for animals too. And we've seen through lots of different discoveries that 
there have been a lot of animals and lizards and insects that have gone extinct, like thousands uh, of, you know, fossils that we've discovered and, and discovered that, man, we no longer have these insects or animals or, or, or lizards any, any longer because they all died out, okay? Now, what we have found, and we'll get into it in a moment here because I got some pictures for you, okay? Um, what we have found is we have found these massive graves of all of these dinosaurs, right? And the theory is this giant meteor hit all the dinosaurs all at once, and they all died, and that's how they died. Well, that's not true at all, okay? We found that all the dinosaurs died, most of them died in a flood, okay? Now, not all of them died in the flood because some were actually brought on to Noah's Ark, okay? Well, how would you get a dinosaur on the Ark well, you would bring a baby dinosaur. You bring two baby dinosaurs. On, he said every kind, right? And we actually have data that shows that dinosaurs aren't millions of years old. They're actually thousands of years old. And there's actually, um, they've actually found fossils and, and cave paintings where uh, dinosaurs and humans live together. Uh, my belief is that there were dinosaurs roaming the earth the same time Adam and Eve were in the garden. Okay. All right, let's look at Job 40, 15 through 24. Take a look at Behemoth, which I made. So right up to this point, God lists like 13 different animals that Job knows about, okay? And it wouldn't make sense that the last two, he's making up animals, okay? He's, he's, he's talking about different animals like deer and stuff like that. And, and Job's like, yep, 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 yep. And then he goes into the last two, okay? And so this is what he says, the Behemoth. See its powerful loins. And the muscles of its belly, it's tall, it's as strong as a cedar, the sinews of its thighs are knit tightly together, its bones are tubes of bronze, its limbs are bars of iron. It is a prime example of God's handiwork, and only its creator can threaten it. Let's continue. The mountains offer their best food, where all the wild animals play. It lies under the lotus plants hidden by the reeds in the marsh, the lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the stream. It is, no, it is not disturbed by the raging river. So this thing is massive and huge. This is not a rhinoceros. This is not an elephant, okay? Because it talked about its tail. Massive tail. Not concerned when the swelling Jordan rushes around it. No one can catch it off guard or put a ring in its nose and lead it away, Okay? God is not describing an elephant or a rhinoceros. He, most scientists believe that he's, in this description, is describing what is called a titansaurus. And this is most likely what it looks like, right? A titansaurus, okay? Um, what God is describing here. And these uh, dinosaurs lived at the time of Adam and Eve, Okay? Let's continue. Let's look at the, the second thing that God is describing here in Job 41, 1 through 2. Can you put in Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down its tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through its nose or pierce its jaw with a hook? Will it keep begging you for mercy? Will it speak to you with gentle words? Will it make an, an agreement with you for you to take it as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of it like a bird or put it on a leash for the young women in your house? Will traders barter for it? Let's continue. 
Will they divide it up among the merchants? Can you fill its hide with harpoons or its head with fishing spears? If you lay a hand on it, you will remember the struggle and never do it again. Any hope of so doing it is false. The mere sight of it is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse it. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Let's finish. I will not fail to speak of Lathan's limbs, its strength, and its graceful form. What is God describing here? He's describing most, I uh, believe he's describing what is called a dinosuchus. Dinosuchus. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And, and there it is. It's this giant alligator beast that ate dinosaurs. They actually found fossils uh, of this, this thing. And, and this is most likely what, what God is describing to Job, this ginormous alligator that ate other dinosaurs. That's something to be afraid of, right? And this is something that he is describing. Okay, number 13, number 13, the rotation of the sun. Psalms 19, 4 through 6, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like an athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the end. Nothing can hide from its heat. Okay, what do we see here? The sun rises at one end of the heavens and it follows its course. So what scripture is telling us here is that the sun actually has a course. We didn't fully discover this until the 1920s. We thought that the, the earth for a very long time, or we thought that the sun for a very long time just sat there and didn't move. Well, in the 1920s, we discovered that actually the sun does have a path. It actually moves. All right, number 14. This is the one that's going to really nail it home for you. And uh, man, when I just read through this this week, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit Number 14, our genetic code. Our genetic code proves that God exists, that God created us, that the Bible is true, and what is written in Scripture, we can trust it. So in our DNA, our DNA goes 10 spaces and then turns, five spaces and then turns, six spaces and turns, and then five spaces and turns. And it does this billions of times. Okay, over and over and over again. Okay, 10, 5, 6, 5. Well, if we take those numbers and we align them with Hebrew, okay, the Hebrew letters, this is what we get. Go ahead and put it up there. We get Y H W H. These are the letters that the Jews used to describe God. God's name is literally written in our genetic code. So when our technology caught up to this, we could be sure who created us. We would know that God loves us and he created us for a purpose because it's literally written in our DNA. 
God's name, Yahweh. Now, if you take, now remember, the Hebrew language is, is vast and, and each one has a meaning, okay? And so they, they put all of these letters together and they came up with a message. And the message is this. Behold the nails in my hands. So not only does the Father write his name in our genetic code, the Son has a message for us. And that message is, Behold the nails in my hands. Why would Jesus send us a message like that? He would send us a message like that because this, what Jesus did on that cross some 2,000 years ago, the piercing of his side and the piercing of his hands. That struggle and that pain, it was for us. And scripture tells us that we can chase everything in the world and nothing will fulfill us because literally inside of us, written in our genetic code, in our DNA, there is a missing place that only God can fill. Only the Son, Jesus Christ, can fill. We just went through 14 different reasons we can trust the Bible through science. Church, every time we open up Scripture, Man, I want you to think about these things. Man, God wrote this book for you. It's not just a religious checklist or, 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 man, I read my Bible today, so God must be happy with me. No, that's not at all. God has a message for us every single day through Scripture, through the people that we do life with and the people that are surrounding us. Every time we come here uh, on Sunday morning and we sit in his house, God has a, a message for you. And his message is that he's created you with a purpose and a plan and that he loves you and he sent his son Jesus to die for you even if it was just for you. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you'd say this morning, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus and I need to this morning. Or maybe you drifted from the truth. You drifted from God. And today's the day where you make that that rededication to follow Jesus with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your personal declaration of faith. This is between you and God. If that's you this morning, just slip up your hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yep, just slip it up. Just put it down. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, this is between you and God. Yep, you can put it down. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask this morning that you would, that we'd all just repeat this prayer after me as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.